0: Welcome to uh, Angel Wing Dialogues. Uh, this is Dr. Chaitanya Krupalu. Uh, with me here, I'm Sachin uh, Karnik the Angel Wing QTP program. Please do visit us on the web at www.theangelwing.com, and you may contact us uh, uh, through there. We are uh, continuing our series on various meditative and contemplative dialogues. Today with Dr. Chaitanya. Uh, I will be asking her some questions and as putting some of my thoughts also into the subject for today. And that uh, is really um, uh, about uh, the whole notion of this inner world and outer world. So we want to kind of probe into this question. What is the inner world? What is the outer world? And then how that relates to the general um, guiding principle of self-mastery as well as personal transformation, human upliftment, etc. cetera. So, so to begin the dialogue, and this is a type of meditative dialogue just between two people. So we'll be getting into some depths on this question. Uh, first of all, the word "world" comes into play—that there seems to be an outside world. There is also an internal world of our memories, of our imaginations, of our wishes, our desires, so many things, our thoughts. Um, when I look at that, uh, there's certainly the experience of both. You know, so there's the experience of what I consider to be the outside world, what I consider to be my, my inner world. So I thought we would begin with this. Uh, and what is the relationship between self-mastery and these two worlds? This is a heavy question. It's a big question. But it's also a very applicable and very tangible question because we are in it. It's not something theoretical. It's there. We see trees outside. We see plants outside. We see people. We see the human condition. We see conflicts. We see the chaos. We see great things also happening. We see everything. And then we also have this internal um, this internal reality. So um, what is the relationship between both of these and the guiding principles of Angelwood? This is our question for contemplation, so we'll do this together. So uh, these are my initial comments on this. Dr. Chaitan, whatever you want to say.
1: So maybe we can kind of do it in segments so that it's easier. Um, you know, the overall topic is good. But I think first to describe in my uh, experience or my journey, um, first of all, um the let me give you a little bit feedback of uh why I think I came to this vision or mission statement for the for Angel Wing, uh as one of them is self-mastery. Um, I think the main thing we're trying to talk about is what what is self mastery, and uh, firstly, what is self and then what are we mastering so I think if we we kind of um, define that a little bit or kind of explore that a little bit, then we can connect it to different worlds and et etc so one thing is, in my experience, self is not what we Think it is, and what do I mean by that? Is when when I talk about me or I, um, Dr. Chaitna, Dr. Kripalu, however you want to look at, I identify it with what my mind, what's in my mind, as a as an image or as whatever registered in my memory, depending on uh, everything which has happened in my childhood. It's a sum total of everything that I feel that I am. I am that you know, individual, Uh while it is true to function in this world and in this, you know, where we live, it is not so, it's not just that. Because what happens when we limit ourselves to just that, then we have issues because then we are limited. So, when we try to explore the self, and of course, that itself is a topic which is very detailed, but we'll try to make it Kind of short, so that it there is something to uh, contemplate for the viewers and um think about and uh, more like explore rather than think with their mind so so if we take, for example, like a brief it's like a one minute observation, we can you know quieten our mind, but let's, you know, maybe we can do that exercise just a bit. So maybe we can take a few deep breaths. Let's take a deep inhale. And then exhale. Do it three times. Two more times. Deep inhale.
0: Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Exhale.
1: Now, while you're there, just let's see if we can observe our mind, which means observe thoughts. So if we let let the mind do its thing, which means that, you know, how when you close your eyes, you're going to have multiple thoughts come in, like a barrage of thoughts or array of thoughts. And let it come by, but and also like clouds slide away, just fly away, not being identified with every thought, even if it's a list of what you have to do or what happened in the past. So you would realize that you can actually do that. So when we talk about if you're able to view or observe our thoughts, then are we the mind, which is the field of thought. So there is something more than, what is it that is observing these mind, this mind of thoughts or the thought field? And so that gives us a brief idea about what the real self is. So that awareness we're talking about or the witness is we are kind of bringing, up, trying to help people realize that there is, that is the real self, uh, with the capital S, if we, if that helps. So that's the self. So now if we connect it to self mastery, So being masters ourselves is important. So what is it that makes us go crazy, like on a daily basis is our thoughts, right? So we identify with these thoughts, which are come from the past. You're thinking about the future and then worry starts uh, or, you know, sorrow comes about, grief comes about when some things have happened in the past and you can't change them. So things like that. So, but everything is in the field of thought. So that is what we get caught in. It's almost like a, you know, um, it's like a whirlwind where we are not able to get out of. So when we step back periodically during meditation or even when you're sitting quietly still, you can do it. You don't have to become a good meditator to do it. But if we could just observe them and allow them to go by, we realize that there's something more to us. And that is the real stuff. So mastering means mastering your mind, mastering. And how do you master? Not by controlling the mind. We all know we cannot control the mind. You can't control thoughts. It just comes and goes. But we can stand behind or allow it to go, the thoughts to go by. And that way, you're not identifying. When I say identifying, for example, there is a list. And you have that, let's say tomorrow there's a meeting you have to prepare for. And that comes up as a thought. So what happens invariably? You get into the thought: "Is okay. What is the meeting about? What if you know my presentation is not good? Um, am I going to be judged? Blah blah blah. Whatever. However, the thought process goes. But if we don't identify with thought and give it food, like go into that loop, we can stay and watch it. It just goes away because the next next thought comes by. So I think that is what we're trying to get at is to be aware, become the big awareness or the witness of your mind, which is creating these thoughts to come by and gradually go. So when you're saying mastering your mind is you are in charge now, which is the awareness or the witness and not the mind, because most of the time the mind is in charge and you're being dragged along um, with it everywhere. And that is a problem. And that's why we are in conflict, we're in confusion. And so there's so much dissipation of energy and you're tired. So by mastering that field of thought or mind, as we call it, we become, you know, we attain self-mastery. So
0: yes. that's the
1: description, right?
0: Oh, right. So as we are exploring this topic, uh, there is a sense of freedom. As I was listening to you, uh, what was happening within me, I would like to share that with you and the and viewers who be listening to this. There is a drive to be free. And that was kind of my original question about the outer world, the inner world, the mastery. It has a lot to do with wanting freedom. You know, people want all kinds of freedom in life. They want uh, freedom to do what they want, basically. When we think about desires, we have so many desires and we want them fulfilled and usually we want them fulfilled right away. (laughs) So, so there is so much to be said about, about the nature of desire that it is a force, there's energy within desire, and we want it fulfilled, and there's an experience of getting it fulfilled. And then that changes our experience. So when we get what we want, that changes our experience. We run after those experiences. Uh, it also seems to me that what exactly freedom may be, that word freedom implies bondage, that there's something that is bound. Uh, and bondage, limitation, entanglement, so many words of this type could be used. And we could say that the mind is entangled within itself. Human beings are entangled within themselves, webs of entanglement, webs of bondages. So this, there's even in philosophy this concept of the web of belief. You know, that beliefs are also types of psychological webs of different kinds. So the question of freedom is very relevant when we consider the notion of being freely able to navigate the experiences of life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what your uh, thoughts are on this. I, uh, my, my thoughts are that I, I believe that it is possible to navigate such diverse experiences freely When there is, as you were saying, great conservation of energy, this makes a lot of sense to you. Because without energy, that higher intelligence will not open to be able to navigate through the diversity of experiences. Would you like to say something about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what is bound and what is freedom, right? So um, I think bondage comes from being, I would say, attached to obviously thoughts, which bring about emotions, which bring about um, experiences and things like that, especially mostly the pleasurable experiences. For example, food, you know, which is the biggest thing. You know, if we are if we like sweets, then we kind of get attached to those sweets uh, because mentally your mind always tries to make images and keeps these memories. Out of all the experiences which you go through in life. So you're bound by the mind. And you're kind of the um, become slave to these so-called addictions of food. Or it could be anything else. Because you give in to it. And you say this is the object which is giving me this experience. And hence. And we can call this as a part of the outer world. Which is the for example sweet like a chocolate right so if the chocolate is making me feel good inside not just the sensations in the mouth but something happens in your brain just the whole gamut of experience which you feel you 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 experienced yourself gives us this false notion that that is what is creating this whole experience now it's not completely false it is partly true but then that memory which is created in your brain is never repeated or the experience which the a mem- you know, it, it was created the first time and is registered as a memory. It's hard to replicate that each time because it is never exactly the same. But we want it again and again, the same experience. So we become attached to that particular food, for example, chocolate, and you want to eat it each time. And then the experience may be a little different, but it's still a good one. And so we think that the outer world um, materials like the chocolate is the reason for our inner experience, which is true. But we have to realize that the pharmacy of these chemicals which cause these experiences inside of us, it is not the external material or external object which is actually causing this. So if we pay attention to that fact, then it's a little easier for us to understand that everything lies in the, in the inner world. So what we're trying to do in this self-mastery is as we realize that all the experiences occur in our inner world, how can we bring about this change as more constant and permanent so that we don't become slaves to the objects outside. Of course, it's very difficult to do that. But can we? Yes, we can. So and that is what is freedom, because then you don't need that external object to bring about this whole amazing experience you've had. While you may want to experience it because you're in this world, you're a human being, you want it, you know, you want to experience the pleasures of life, we don't have to necessarily be atta- addict, not addicted, but hooked to that object per se for that experience. We were, If we are able to duplicate this experiences with other modalities like meditation, realization, like contemplative dialogue, where we are doing this self-inquiry, what is happening inside of us as we're having this discussion, and things like that, that would help us to get away from that and be unbound or become a little more free of, you know, or slave to these external circumstances or external world objects.
0: Okay, yes. So, in hearing you know, your thoughts, I'm going to share some of mine here, since we're doing this as a, uh, as, a as a conversation. Um, very nice uh, points you made. I would like to also present the same thing in a little different way perhaps. We have so much information coming to us through our senses, our five senses. We have a tremendous amount of information. And the brain through its mechanisms, which are still mysterious in many ways, brain, mind, etc. It takes that information through four major filters. So these four filters are memories, personality patterns, beliefs, and values. And there could be other filters also, but this is one way to think of it. We have many filters, psychological filters, through which the experience of the outside comes into play. And that, that was my the bigger question about the outer world, inner world. That's what we're opening up here. That There's all kinds of information, all kinds of stimuli, but it is always filtered. And from the filter, through memory, through perception, through our uh, the various cranial nerves, etc., there is ultimately an internal experience that occurs and there is an inner representation of the experience of the phenomena outside. Right? So I, I do would you like to just elaborate maybe, maybe more on the, uh, more physiological or the more medical side or something like that of this? If you want to, I, I don't know. You want to finish up? Yeah. You okay. Talking? Let me just, let me continue with this a little bit further. So the internal experience. It's very real. Like, for example, I'm seeing you on Zoom right now, or I'm seeing you on my TV, or I'm seeing my room, or I'm seeing things outside. It has a great reality to it. But, based on our scientific research and perhaps even meditative experiences, there is definitely the truth of these filters. That these Filters that are not really allowing us to see the fullness of reality, the fullness of any experience. For example, if I meet, in, meet somebody for the first time, I begin to develop an image of that individual, I begin to develop an understanding of that individual, and then my mind looks through the developed image. If I meet that person five or six or seven times, the mind only sees through the image of that person, because that's the way it functions. There's a basis of interaction, which would be indicative of the fact that the image formation mechanisms of the mind and the brain are necessary to interact with the three-dimensional world outside, which includes people, places, things. Right? Okay, so I think if you follow up to this point, that means that there is a functional and deliberate purpose behind the image-making process. All right. But at the same time, there is considerable amount of psychological limitation due to that same image-making process. Because an individual identifies with that process as the actuality in many cases, which is not the case. And that's where wisdom or higher awakening would, would come into play. Right. Now, having said that, the identification with the image-making process—that okay, whatever I know of Chaitanya is the image I have of her—but is that actually her? To be present to another person, another being, another uh, uh, life, a uh, life form, whoever, to be present in, in totality, while keeping the image formation mechanisms in place, but at the same time not to be restricted to them seems to me to be a major facet of self-mastery. It's a a major facet of inner evolution of consciousness. And that, I I suspect, impacts deeply the neurophysiology of the brain also. And that's the more medical side, perhaps we can elaborate on that point. So these are some of my thoughts on this. Uh, You can continue, please. Absolutely. That's fantastic.
1: The thing is, in all this absolutely is the, I think as we grow up, like almost start from childhood, maybe even before we come with certain innate, innate personalities or nature or, you know, however you want to call it. And then you grow up with, you know, your parents guidance and, you know, your peers, your teacher, your relatives, and then you form certain belief systems, certain ideas, and so when you have all these or values as we as you described, we have all these principles and everything, what is right, what is wrong, and whatever we've been taught by everything in the external environment. So we have all these preconditioned ideas in our mind when we are interacting with somebody new. So what happened then is when we're having this conversation, we are not really, most of the time, are we really listening with totally no expectations, no bias, no preconceived ideas, no preconceived belief systems? Most of the time it's difficult to do that. So, but if we get to that point, then we interact with another human being at a whole different level. And so then it becomes more easier to understand that person, where that person is coming from, or what is that person giving us at that moment? Is it something we can explore on or, you know, even elaborate on something, maybe a different perspective, however you call it. But we has certain ideas and it doesn't match up with that person's ideas. Because again, this whole system is in him or her too. So that is where the thing comes. When we have, while we are listening, we're already forming an idea about what we're going to speak, what we're going to tell that person. And we're hardly listening. We're not barely listening. So that is in itself is an art. Yes, definitely of self-mastery where we let go of all our biases, all our belief systems out and completely listen and just be in it as if you're not a person anymore. You're just in that conversation because when we do that, we really interact on a very different, when I say level, I mean at a um, cellular level or as, as a soul level, what are we going to call it, which we lose sense of um, the bodies and we lose sense of any preconceived ideas, which limits us from, actually listening to that person so that is definitely freedom and that is a part of self mastery and it's an art to be learned again and how can that happen in my experience is we have to let go of a lot of how do I put it um, again bias is one word but more than that I think just let go of our egos to where it's bringing up these you know mind brings up these um Issues that say, but, but this, but that, you know, things like that. So we've got to let go of all of these veils or layers, which we have created over time, which makes us more rigid. And when we do that is when interaction with every other human being becomes much, much better and can relate to them in a whole different level. And what I mean by that is when you interact at that level, you realize your oneness with the other person in a, you know, in, 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 in some area or the other. And that will help us not have conflicts, being um, forming opinions about people which are not favorable, uh, disliking somebody and all of that. Because remember, whatever structure you have created, whatever all these baggage, you can call it, you come with. Every single person comes with a different set of issues. So we have to acknowledge and that they are also coming with this whole different mindset, if you want to call it, because they are in a different place in the mind, just like you or me or anybody else. So if we are able to open up and just listen and not be more judgmental and bring about all our biases, then I think we can function well, as a society, because the self-mastery, we are more at not allowing our anger or frustration or anything get in the way. And we're able to interact solely in, in the sense um, at a level that we are able to actually understand that person. And that will give us an impetus to how we can work together, how we can be a cohesive unit if not only with that one person or whoever you're talking to. And it is so much better at that level when we, and that's part of self-mastery, obviously, because if you're not working on yourself, then you cannot interact with the other person. That is why the inner world is so important. Or each of us um, have to work on ourselves. Everything comes back to us. And that's the next we can talk about. And I'm going to put, that back to you. And okay. What you mean all
0: about right. it? Yes. So, uh, in hearing all of your comments, uh, I would like to share with you and the audience uh, the evolution of values, the evolution of respect for one another, to be able to perceive another human being, including all the plants and animals, and in fact, in reality, all of creation, to be able to perceive all experience with. A certain understanding or with a certain evolution of a respectful attitude, a non-destructive attitude, a constructive attitude, a helpful attitude, an attitude of gratitude also, all those things that you've talked about, Dr. Jitana. All of that, I believe, is an evolution that occurs when an individual is able to perceive the image formation process itself the image formation process can be perceived when one internally looks at the image directly for example there's Dr. Shape the group out so when I sit and think of who you are, I have my all my memories of my conversations with you discussions with you etc but I don 't know everything about you you know maybe. Maybe I can approach that extent to the, to the, if, if we get the closer, closer two individuals become in their conversations, they get to know, know each other pretty well. That's what we mean by knowing somebody pretty well, right? But even, even in that, there is an image through which we are seeing the other person. So the, so the image is not the actuality as such, although the actuality is right in front of us. It's always there. So hence it, hence we say that we as human beings do not experience the world. World meaning people, places, things. All experience. We human beings do not experience the world as it is. This is the point. We experience a model of the world. We experience a certain representation of the world. A conceptualization of the world. A, uh, a formation of the world. And that's the inner world. So like there's the outward Chaitanya Krupalu, or my outward mother, outward father, outward brother, outward this, outward that. There's also the internal representation and the reality of that representation within me. And which, and, and we know that that's there. Just look at our dream content. Our dream content is a direct, <coughs> excuse me, it's a direct revelation of this, co- of this phenomena that the people that we have come across, (coughs) excuse me, the people we have come across, the different experiences we have, all of that is within us in a subtle form, within the mind, within the memories, and we live in that world also. Now, if we can come to that realization that we live in an outside world, and we live in the inner world, that still raises the question, who am I that is living in both? <coughs> so, I think before we can get to what the I actually is, that is present, that is experiencing both of these worlds, we have to proceed, I, I would suggest very carefully, you know, for all the Angelman community and so many others who are listening to this, that every road map mirrors only a part of the reality of the landscape that we are involved in, involved in you know our inner map of the world is is a model of the outside world it's a certain model but the model is not the actual thing and particularly with regards to interpersonal contact relationship and interdependence this is very very relevant in terms of very important questions like racism, tribalism, one nation versus another, family members within conflicting with each other, the damage to personal energy, family energy, the damage to uh, uh, economic power. All of this is very applicable uh, in in terms of our day-to-day life experience because what we are looking for We're looking for freedom. This is one thing. But what we consider freedom may not be freedom. That's 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 part of the difficulty. Somebody who is wanting to harm another person may feel a sense of freedom when they harm that person. It feels. But again, I'm putting that word freedom in quotation. I don't think that that's actual freedom of any kind. It is it is some type of a mentally concocted phenomena that the ego, the individual personality has somehow perceived that that may be freedom, like you know the the seven thousand wars that have occurred in human civilization, the continuous battles that are going on day in and day out, all of that is the reality that we experience through our senses, through our education, through our through our purview of the world. We experience all of that, and hence Angel Wing has a fundamental principle of trying to move towards human upliftment. But I don't believe that we can even get to human upliftment until we, as a human race, recognize what is actual upliftment for us. You know, these external worlds, inner worlds, they seem like esoteric topics, which which they are not. They're very individualized, very personal, and very real. But at the same time, the the outside world with all of its diversity, and if you just look at the whole range of humanity, we are interconnected, interdependent, uh, interlinked. To even realize that much, in my mind, is... It, 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 that realization has to bring about fundamental respect for the existence of every human being. And it is through that respect that our own evolution is even possible. Otherwise, we are just stuck in our limited, preconditioned inner, external, inner worlds and running around in the external world trying to gain and trying to grab what we want from that world to, to expand our egotistical inner world. This is, this is what seems to be. And then again, again, I'm making those statements just from a certain perception. I'm not even saying everybody's like that. There may be only certain percentage that is like that, but that, that's, that few percentage is causing havoc for the rest of the humanity. Now, so that may be the case also. Your thoughts on, uh, on this.
1: Absolutely. So if we go to, yeah, there's a lot of things here um, to touch on. Um, if we even go for the basics, like when a child is born, every child, doesn't matter which part of the world, which corner of the world, and simple basics, you know, we can come back and say how similar we are or how part of each other we are. And every human matter, which is the flesh and bones of the baby is born, it's born the same way looks different is a different thing, but born the same way, same things about the child or the baby needs as far as food or milk or, you know, whatever, you know, the body needs. And the structure and function of every body part is exactly the same. When every baby is born, no matter which corner of the world, I mean, human baby, obviously. So if we even look inside the, we are generalizing functions of, the brain, every system, maybe with minor changes depending on the geographical location. But in most parts, every unit, every system works exactly the same way. The Only the outer part, the features, the um, color of the skin and things like that is different. Again, it's based on the geographical location where we live because of the climate, because of the environment and what, what not. But even if you look at that much of basic level, if there is so much difference, there is diversity. But if it's really that different, that we are completely different beings, then it cannot be that similar. You know, so that in itself for me makes brings up the basic point that we're all the same. Now, again, the problem here is, like you said, the inner world. What do we mean by inner world is in your mind. And that is. So unique to every single human being, again, dependent on your upbringing and what that being or that human perceives. Again, that is in itself is a whole big, you know, different spectrum. Like how do you when like you were saying the information as it goes from your senses and constantly what you're seeing, what you're listening What you're perceiving, your tongue, um, every sensation which you have, all the senses—they perceive different things. They form images and memories combined with the whatever you, your people are telling you, Um, and so so so-called they they become belief systems over a period of time. There's no right or wrong. There's that's why there's different belief systems become become belief systems also with personal experiences too. So combining everything, everybody has a different set of internal work. Now the internal world is different, but that is purely because of the mind what is what is conco- concocted or what's created. So if you realize the oneness which we're talking about to begin with and say the diversity is because of the experiences you've created and so and that's why your mind has registered in different forms, and that is why you are like this, and that is it, then it would be a whole different way. But what we do is we identify ourselves with that mind itself, which is so fragmented because of all the experiences you've had, you're not able to have a whole mind at all. We are fragmented because we think different things. We're pulled in this direction. We're pulled here and all the time. So conflicts is in your mind. So this conflict is what is put out in the outer world from as per every single human being. So what do we expect to see outside of us is only conflict and confusion and now imagine if each person's conflict is put out in this outside world or the field as you call it as outside what chaotic environment are you going to see so it is going to be chaos so when we see whatever we see outside of us in the outer world is created by us each and every one of us we cannot absolve ourselves saying that i am not you know responsible for that so and because everybody has different experiences And what they've created in their internal world, they bring out certain things outwardly. For example, if somebody has gone through severe trauma and created certain images in their brain, that that is so real, and I'm not saying it's not real, that that has to have certain consequences. So if if a person's – I was watching a movie the other day, and um, I'm sure people have seen this movie – It's called law abiding citizen. It's a little gory, but just to give you an example, this gentleman is an engineer and he has, he goes through severe trauma where two just, two, you know, just people come into their house, they burgle everything, they kill his wife in front of him and, you know, sexually molest her and kill the child. So now this is very real and I'm not saying it's not any less real. It is real to this man, but he goes to the extent that he destroys the whole community. Now, in his mind, he's completely justified about this, you know, whatever he's done is reasonable. But if you look at from a bird's eye perspective, the whole community being destroyed, is it reasonable? Probably not. Now, in the other person's mind who came and burgled and everything... He was okay doing that because he came from a different perspective or whatever mindset because of his experiences. Now he was justified in his mind. So there is no way to see a commonality about being justified one and the other, right? So there is a whole, now you see what chaos is outside of the world on your outside. So this is why this is a problem because we are so limited to our experiences in our, you know, in our life. And so we create these um, intentions in our mind, these ideas in our mind, and we act, act out accordingly. So that is where we got to really go into these severe, you know, deep introspection, deep self-inquiry, really trying to figure out who we really are. Who am I? And when you go to the depth of it and kind of release yourself from that bondage of your mind, which is causing this whole movie in your head. Because even if you say, for example, if that person who, whatever he had gone through, of course it's not justified. Whatever he's gone through is horrible. But then that is in the past now. And he cannot leave it in the past because he just cannot do it because carrying it in everydays you know, like today, tomorrow, it goes on. And so it makes him act a certain way to justify to his mind that this is okay. This is the only way. But unfortunately, you're not going to be free by acting that way. And that's just more of a thought which is creeped up in the mind saying that this is the only way I'm going to find freedom. So, but that doesn't happen. We all know that. So the point in this, what I'm trying to make is because we're caught in our minds and identify ourselves from, from that, we are in trouble. And that is the whole, you know, pretext of this, you know, being bond, bound by our minds. Yes. Yes. And that's yes. what we need to get away and go, you know, over that, transcend it and become masters of.
0: So in many ways, we, uh, we could say, That one of the purposes of human life is to evolve. Like, why does a caterpillar exist, so that it so that it has so it can evolve into the butterfly? This this notion. So along those lines, this human body we have the extraordinary experiences we have of life. The fact that we are alive even is a great mystery in itself. And as we're reflecting. With, on, on these questions of self-development, uh, fragmentation of the mind, and all such ideas, I think we can certainly say, just as an addition to what you have already been saying, that the brain is, the, the human brain as such, is nowhere near its full capacity. And that, That is probably because there is impurity within the brain, the mind. Now, what is purification is something also very relevant to look at. So, I think a a corollary would be with, let's say, blood. What is the purpose of the kidneys? You know this better than I do. The kidneys, you know, purify the blood. They 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 keep the system clean, and then the urine is all the pollutants are taken out waste products are taken up. We can understand purification of our blood. But what about purification of the brain? That expression is not used. I don't know that anybody is using such an expression. We have even heard things like purification of the mind. But I wonder what is even meant by purification of the brain, even physiologically, in the sense that the brain function can change and evolve much further than where it is right now in human consciousness uh, you've talked about it in one of your previous uh, talks on the mind brain connection which is which is very interesting so <clears throat> maybe you can say some something about that but before you before you do i just want to make a few more comments on this point that There's no question that the brain is connected to the senses and that that's where this whole show is going on. You know, we know that neurologically, physiologically. But there is the possibility of our senses becoming sharper, more alert, more in tune. Which is an indication of not rejecting the experiences of the outside world. Whatever they might be. We see so many things. But can we perceive them? This is the, this is the bigger question for reflection. Can we, Perceive them in their entirety to see, see a much greater purview of the phenomena than simply the limited, limited experiences that we are just running around with. So for example, take a simple example of going to a grocery store and you see all the thousands of items there. But they're not, they didn't just come there that way. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people involved in bringing that food to that store and then eventually that food coming home and then then and then after that being digested and eaten and then extracting its power extracting its new, uh, nutrition there is such a massive link and so there is a there is a much broader perspective on even the smallest of experiences now al- along those lines if we are able to keep the mind so open even though functionally we go to the grocery store, we get what we want, et cetera, but can we even do such an activity with a phenomenally open mind, with tremendous awareness about the thousands of people that are, that are, that have played a role in bringing that, that food to our stomach, bringing that food to our home. And that kind of an inner development I believe, allows us to move from the mind and the brain that is functioning in limited space-time, in limitations, as, as it is. And then, of course, the fragmentation, the me versus the you, and the self-centeredness, to move away from that. And move into, and it is a movement, it is a movement of psychological consciousness uh, into the total, the whole, into that which is complete, that which is full, that which is alive, that which is conscious, that which is which is filled with with great presence. Um, as we are progressing in our angel wing dialogues over the last several years, it seems to me that we are moving towards such a progression, such an evolution of consciousness Further and further, consciousness, psychological consciousness evolving into the reality itself. And to do that, it begins with really simple things like getting your life in order, getting your schedule in order, respecting everyone that you see, being grateful for what we have, not getting stuck in old thought patterns. All the ideas that Angel Wing has presented so far, they're very applicable and practical, but it, it, it really seems to me that they're Is a transformation of the, of the neural mechanisms themselves. When an individual is energetically and deliberately attempting to evolve in such a way. Your thoughts on this?
1: Absolutely. So that's when we knew that originally when, when we came out, you know, scientifically, we thought there was a certain way the organic brain functions and that it can never be changed. But lately, in the last few years, we know that there is something called neuroplasticity, which means that we can be responsible, which is by your mind, we can actually mold your brain in a whole different way. So again, all these systems are given to us for the function of the body. But that's why we say that our minds are more powerful at this point to make it less Functional or extremely functional. And what I mean by that is it's all about how we put limits. Again, it's depending on your belief systems and what you've acquired during your life and everything. So if I limit my brain, for example, if I say that I can only run, you know, 15 minutes. And that I put a limit in my head and that's all I'll be able to run. But if I say even or entertain a possibility of saying, Hey, I can actually run one hour. And you can figure the body cooperates to say, okay, now that you made the decision, I can do an hour. Yes, it's gonna be hard, but then you can do it because that's what we talk about, how we can um expand your mind. So it's almost like the brain's it's a hologram hologram of the or an outward field that the organic brain puts out, which is called the mind, which is responsible for everything you achieve in your life. And so it's actually a good thing, because then we can control, or I wouldn't say control, that may not be the right word. We can modify our mind or expand our mind to do limitless things and you know this is very true as we have seen in the world how some people are able to achieve so much and how some people cannot so again the problem comes here when we don't want to dream because we're thinking ahead again you're using your mind psychological psychological time or mind where saying that i cannot do this Let's say, again, a run in an hour for an hour because my legs are going to hurt. I have I'm going to be short of breath. My heart's going to race. It's going to ache all over and I cannot do it. So those are the limiting beliefs which we've acquired. And so that limits us from going and expanding and doing big things. So now, of course, you don't your body is, you know, can only do so much at a certain time. For example, I cannot do an hour tomorrow if I'm doing only 15 minutes. Because you're going to hurt yourself. There's only so much your flesh and body, the matter, can do. But you can do it slowly. You know, expand it slowly to make that happen. So that is the beauty of the mind, how it can you do this with just an intention you can set up. Just by entertaining a thought and say, this is possible. And then you reach towards it. That's why some people climb the Mount Everest, you know, and some people... There is an, uh, there's a wonderful documentary now on Netflix, I think, which is called 14 Peaks. And it talks about this gentleman. Uh, he's actually from Nepal, but he lives in UK, about how he climbed the 14 peaks in the Himalayas and even going on to something called K2, which is the most difficult range in Pakistan. And how he did it, nobody has done it so far. But now, because one person did it, more people are going to attempt Because, oh, that's possible because that person did it. But the fact that you can entertain a thought that you can do something, it shows you that we are actually limitless. And that is a first step to saying that we could achieve anything. But again, so that's the point if people explore and self inquire and see that what are the limitations I have in my mind? which are limiting me from actually attaining what I want. Now, everybody doesn't have to climb the Mount Everest, but everybody's passion may be something different. But but we become our own saboteurs, I call it, which are obstacles from achieving different things because we are putting limitations in our mind. And of course, you justify it. Again, the mind justify it, justifies it, the various things to say, this is why I didn't do it. But if you really go to the depth of it, you have put, again, both limitations, justifications, everything Mm -hmm. happens in this field of thought, which is what is our biggest problem. So if we allow it in the same context to expand it or relate it to humanity, where we're expanding ourselves, our minds to actually allow everyone or the other person to... Flourish or do things what they want to do, how they could do more for the society. And that would help us get a different picture of it. So the way I look at the world is completely different from somebody else because again, we have these filters through which we look at and that is why it becomes a problem and we cannot agree with each other on the way we look at it. But the world is world. There is only one world but different perspectives, how we look at it. That's why if you let go of all these biases, if we let go of all these filters and actually perceive the world for what it is, then that would be a whole different society, which is getting away from these obstacles, which would allow us to actually, I don't know what the society looks like, honestly, because we're not in it yet, but I'm sure it was going to be a whole different way of, you know, functioning as in more, co- more cohesive rather than separate, you know, like and more chaotic, like the way it is right now.
0: OK, very good. So we are at one hour. Exactly. I want to Bye. thank Dr. Shethna Krupalu. She is, of course, the founder uh, and the CEO of the Angel Wing LLC. Uh, I'm a volunteer with the QTP program to learn more about all of our programs. Please go on the Web. Uh, and please do join us for our meditative dialogues, our meditations and many other workshops and programs that will be coming up in 2022. All right. So along those lines, uh, once again, thank you, Dr. Chaitanya Kripalu, And we're signing off here with thank our, you with our conversation.
1: And thank uh, it wouldn't have happened without you. So <laughs> no.
0: we're,
1: we're just starting this dialogue. Um, hopefully, um, I would love for people, you know, once we get it set and everything for, um, to comment and give us feedback so that we can improve this as we go along. Um, this is an attempt to discuss these uh, very in-depth things from our perspective. We, we are always uh, open to learning from other people. Um, so please uh, comment and let us know um, any feedback you can give us. That would be very, we would be very grateful. All very right. Good. Thank you so much. Appreciate everybody, the viewers, anybody who's, Um, viewing this and you know paying attention to it and and your thank you for your comments too thank you so much